So today I'm going to talk about there is a purpose for your calling. Last week I talked about there's a purpose for your pain. Does anybody here like pain? No. But sometimes, as we saw last week, pain serves a purpose. Many times pain is there to strengthen us. Many times it's there as a test. Many times it's there, as the Bible says, to build our perseverance and to build our strength and to build our faith in him, all right? Uh, if everything always went our way, we really wouldn't have any need for God. Uh, we just think our life was perfect and we never had any need. And so many times it's in the hard times and the painful times. What do those times do? They drive us to our knees, don't they? They drive us towards God. And I'm here to tell you there's no greater time than I believe the time we're living in right now. I believe God's going to do a great thing. I believe that we might be on the verge of a spiritual awakening and a spiritual revival. It will separate the wheat from the chaff. Amen. And I believe that what will happen is, is that people will begin to seek God. Why? Because desperate times call for desperate measures, don't they? And many, many people during this time, they don't know where to turn. Well, guess what? You know what happens when people don't know where to turn? Many times they turn to God finally. All right? Not everyone, but many turn to God. And so there's never been a greater time for us as Christians. And here's my, uh, here's my charge to you today. Open your mouth. Be ready to give a testimony. Be ready in season and out of season. Amen. Because many people will be searching right now. And you have never had a greater time than to open your mouth and be bold. And say, here's why I have hope. Amen. And so you open your mouth, Christian. Open your mouth, brother and sister, and let's be bold in our witness for Christ. And you may say, well, how do we do that in a pandemic? You know, if everybody's trying to stay inside. Listen, we live in this day and age. There's a little bitty thing called the Internet. Don't know if you've heard of it. Uh, but you can use the Internet. We can use these wonderful things here uh, to, uh, to uh, you know, talk to people on the other side of the world. I could right now be uh, texting with somebody uh, in China right now. I could be texting with somebody uh, in the Philippines. Uh, we, we support a church over in the Philippines, uh, Brother Michael Keyless, uh, and many times he and I are conversing in real time. He's in the Philippines, I'm in the United States. He's on the other side of the world, and we literally can have a conversation in real time. That means I could be testifying to somebody on the other side of the world. I could be sharing the gospel on the other side of the world. Amen. So we need to understand... Uh, what the enemy means for evil, because guess what? There's a lot of evil can come across this, right? But guess what? What the enemy means for evil, we can turn it around and use it for good. Amen? So uh, that's part of it today. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk, talk about your calling today. So I'm going to do a little exercise. Ring, ring, ring. Answer your phone. Hello? Ring, ring, ring. Answer your phone. It's God calling. Amen? Uh, God is calling every single one of us. And you've heard me say that before, that a calling is not just something for preachers or worship leaders or teachers. A calling, the Bible says that every one of us is called. God is calling every one of us to do something. So my encouragement to you today is to pick up the phone. If you don't pick up the phone, you will never find out what God is is trying to call you to, all right? And guess what? There are many, many things to be called to. Uh, we just tend to think of what I call the spotlight positions, you know, the preacher, uh, the singer, uh, the teacher. But listen, in the same way, I've told you this before, in the same way, same way that you go and you see a stage play down here at one of the colleges, 
guess what? There might be 10 actors on stage, but guess what there will be behind the stage making that play happen? There will be at least twice to three times as many doing duties to make that play happen, all right? And in the same way, it takes many, many people to make uh, God's house run. It takes many, many people uh, to run the, for the kingdom of God to be successful. Amen? Um, now, the fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. And this is what I find, this is the problem with many people. They say, well, yeah, I got some gifts, but I don't like my gifts. And God, I don't like my gifts. You know what? I, I like Chris's gifts. I like the way he, y'all like the way he played that guitar solo all over that I saw a lot. And, you know, I wish I could play that solo like that, you know. Uh, or I wish I could sing, sing like this one. Or I wish I could preach like this one. Or I wish I could teach like so. Or, you know, this one is just uh, has such a command of Scripture. Listen, God gave you your talents, your gifts, your abilities for your specific calling. Amen? Somebody help me. Amen? All right. Uh, so you were given exactly what you have for a reason and a purpose. But we spend way too much time worrying about everybody else's gifts. And I wish I had these, or I wish I could do this, or I wish I could do that, all right? Uh, the fastest way to kill something special is compared to something else. Not just someone has, not just where someone goes, but what they do, all right? Now, we live in the day of social media, and I tell people all the time, don't pay too much attention to social media. Why? Because if you look at my Facebook page, uh, it's going to be my highlight reel. I don't, put all the, I don't put all the painful stuff on there. I don't put the stuff that, I, that happened that day that I didn't like. I'm going to put pictures of the best food I ate that day. I'm going to put pictures of all the fun things I did that day. It's my highlight reel. So you need to understand it because sometimes when we get in the game of comparison, we want to look at somebody else's page and we want to say, well, man, their life's a lot better than mine. Brother Mark eats a lot better food than I do. You bet I do, amen. I mean, I know a lot of things. I know where to eat, amen. And, you know, uh, Brother Mark, his life just looks so exciting. You know, he got, he got to go on a vacation. I didn't get to go on a vacation this year. And we, we tend to spend way too much energy and waste way too much time comparing ourselves to everybody else. And that's, a, that's the bad part of social media is you look at everybody else's highlight reel and you go, I wish my life was like theirs. Well, I got bad news for you, Buttercup. It ain't, all right? Your life is your life, amen? And the greatest thing that you can do is to wrap your big arms around your life, embrace your life, and make it the best life you got, amen? Now, I'm not telling you I can't, I'm not a genie in a bottle. I can't make you instantly make more money, live in a bigger house, drive nicer cars. But I can tell you this. I can tell you what the Apostle Paul found was the secret to life. I have learned to be content in all things. He said, I've been poor as a church mouse, and I've had it all. And I have learned to be content no matter what. So it's not what you have. It's not your stuff. It's your attitude towards your stuff. All right? Amen. All right. So um, here's a confession I'm going to make to you. And I know this is going to be a shocker. If you know me, you already know this. I'm not a handyman. Do not put a tool in my hand. Amen? Especially a power tool, one with electricity attached to it. Amen. Uh, do not put me in charge of construction. Now, you want destruction? You want something tore apart? That's my job. Give me a sledgehammer. Tell me to tear something up. But I am not handy. Uh, but sometimes, 
you know, my wife, she needs a handyman. And so I have to swallow my pride, and I have to get on the phone and call one of you, one of you guys. And you come over, and you fix my sink, or you fix my plumbing, or you, you uh, Jerry built a room, built a, you know, enclosed a room in my house. And I have to listen to my beautiful wife, who I think, you know, should look at me as her knight in shining armor, say, boy, didn't they do a good job? Wasn't that nice having somebody who could actually put their hands on something and fix something? And I got to tell you, I get my feelings hurt just a little bit. I get my feelings hurt. Because I want to be her knight in shining armor, amen? And I want to be the guy that uh, she looks to and goes, wasn't that awesome? Did you see the way they did that? And I'm like, well, I bet he couldn't preach a sermon, though. We, you know, we spend way too much time, and sometimes we do have to swallow our pride and say, you know what, I just have to admit, that ain't my gift. So, honey, you just, you just gloat over that handyman, amen, and uh, I'll just keep a preaching over here, amen. But that's fine, and I've, you've got to come to grips with that. You've got to come to grips and understand, God made you the way he made you for a reason. Remember the old days, there was a bumper sticker. God don't make no junk. Now, what's ironic is that bumper sticker was usually on a car that was falling apart, put together with duct tape, amen. But it was, it's true. God, what does that mean? God don't make no junk. In other words, he created you. You are his, and he created you the way he created you for a purpose. He wired you the way you are for a purpose. So stop fighting it. Stop wasting energy. That's one of my favorite words, wasted energy. We waste so much energy Worrying about other people. Quit worrying about other people. It's very freeing. I'm a, I'm a people pleaser by nature. And so it's very hard for me. I want everybody to like me. How could you not like me? Look at me. I'm, I'm just as sweet as everything. How could you not like me? And I want everybody to like me. But it was very freeing the day I figured out that just ain't going to happen. As sweet as I am, somebody's not going to like me. And I'm going to do something or say something that somebody ain't going to like. And the day that I realized, it really don't matter. It really don't matter. All I can do, I need to keep my focus on pleasing one guy. And if you can do that, you're ahead of the ball game. Everybody else, I love you, but I'm here to please one guy. Even in my calling as pastor, I get a lot of suggestions. I get a lot of Godly suggestions. Brother Mark, I feel like God's telling me to tell you. Well, you know, I talk to God too. I believe he can tell me straight to my, my ear, amen. That's another sermon. Uh, but here's the thing. You've got to understand that I'm here. God has called me, amen. And so my priority, I do want to hear your opinion. I do want to hear what you think. But in the very end, my priority is, God, what do you think? God, are you pleased? God, are we going the direction you want us to go? Amen. And that is the bottom line, all right? Um, the reason that you can't do what someone else can do is you were not called to their purpose. Your calling is not their calling, all right? Uh, you know, the reason I'm not a handyman, I was not called to that. But guess what? You know what it is when I call somebody to come fix something for me. I see Brother Ricky back there. If I take my car to Brother Ricky and Brother Ricky fixes my car, what is Brother Ricky doing? I'm going to testify, Brother Ricky, you are blessing my socks off. Amen. 
He is blessing me. He is using his gifts and the talents that God has given him to help me. Amen. And he is blessing me. And if you don't think that's just as much a ministry as anything that I'm doing, you've lost your mind. Because we are here to encourage one another, lift one another up, and to do good deeds unto one another. Amen. And that includes helping one another. And, w- and what that really means is the things that I can't do and the things that I fall short in, I need you to step up and help me in those things in my life. And then hopefully I've got some gifts that I can turn around and I can do something and bless you in your life. Amen? And that's the way that the body of Christ is supposed to work. That's where it says, you know, it talks about the body of Christ. And the eyeball says, well, I want to be a nose. And the nose says, well, I want to be an ear. And the ear says, well, I want to be a tongue, you know. And he says... It doesn't matter all that. And y'all have heard me say, you know what could mess you up the most? You go and you get your right big toe cut off. It's going to mess you up. You know why? doesn't seem like a big toe would do that much. But your big toe helps you to balance your body out when you're walking. You lose that big toe. It doesn't seem like a very important part of your body. But you will lose all of your balance. And you'll have to really have to learn to re, uh, re, relearn to walk again. All right? So sometimes we think, well, my gifts aren't important or my gifts don't really matter. That is not true. Nothing could be further from truth. Somebody has to be the nose. Somebody has to be the ear. Somebody has to be the big toe. So all you big toes, awesome. Amen? And somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to give the balance. All right? So stop comparing your gifts. Find God's purpose for you. So I'm going to give you one, two, two, I believe. I'm going to give you two things here on finding God's purpose for you. Because now I've told you, all right, everybody here's got a calling and you need to do it. And so the next question is, well, how do I find out what mine is? Number one, realize that you are perfectly created by God to fulfill God's purpose for you. Now, scripture on that one is Ephesians 2.10. It says this, for we For who? For we, all of us, are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Does that say preachers, singers, teachers? No. For we, the body of Christ, were created in Christ Jesus for good works. You are his workmanship, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Amen? So you need to understand, this is why God created you, all right? Now, here's the thing. Many people, when they're looking for God's purpose for their life or his will for their life, they think it's God is like he's playing games up there. And it's like some big mystery, and it's a big jigsaw puzzle, and i got to go through all these things to find out what God really wants me to do. It ain't that hard. God is not here to play games with you. Here, let me give you a real clue. All you need to do to find out what God's purpose for you is and what God wired you to do is simply look in a mirror and ask other people. It's that simple. Just say, hey, what do you think my gifts are? Go to your family. Go to your friends. What, what do you all think I'm good at? What, what do I seem to be good at? Well, you know, maybe uh, you do this. You're a great cook. You're a great mechanic. You're a handyman. Uh, uh, It can be even things of you're a great encourager. I always see you encouraging people. Or maybe it's uh, you are so great at ministering to people because when people are hurting, I see you go to them and you're hurting with them. You're ministering to them. So don't any and all count, all right? 
So just look and ask people, what do you see in me? What do you see that I'm good at? Because I'm here to tell you, whatever God's purpose is for you, and the proof is in this verse, he already created it within you. He already created it within you. He wired you to do it. All right? He wired you to do it, so just get up and get after it. Amen? Now, you know, God has called every one of us to do different things. And sometimes you may say, well, mine's just not real obvious. Then dig a little deeper. Dig a little deeper. I've told you many times, uh, one of the greatest ministries I ever saw was people doing puppet ministry and clown ministry. Now, I consider myself a clown, but I am not a professional clown, although some of you may disagree. Uh, But a professional clown, one of the greatest ministries I knew was a guy that went and he uh, was a clown. And he would go, and he would do his thing at birthday parties and things, and he would always ask permission. But if the parents gave permission to the kids at the birthday party, he would always do a very simple gospel presentation at the end of his uh, show. And it was clown and magic. And I saw that guy, many, many kids uh, come to know the Lord. I saw that guy uh, present the gospel to many, many kids, way more than uh, many adults will ever do. All right. So sometimes you got to search a little harder, and you may say, well, that's not normal. Well, guess what? God can use all sorts of things. All right. Look at the things that you're already wired with. Look at the things that are already your passion. What are you passionate about? And see how God can use those things in your life. Amen. Uh, many people find their calling uh, because they search and dig for it. Many find their calling by accident. Uh, my daughter over here is a nurse. And she has a nurse's heart. I know Kelly and Jessica, their daughter is a nurse. And I believe nurses have to have a certain personality. And they, a good nurse has to have that, that compassion for people. Amen. And so they discover that. And they're drawn towards that profession. And they're drawn towards that. Uh, listen, right now, nurses are ministering in a way like never before. Uh, Kelly and Jessica's daughter especially, she's in, the, she's in the ICU COVID unit. And so she is praying over people, and they're asking her if they're going to die, and they're asking her, uh, you know, what, what's beyond this. And, and she is having many, many opportunities to minister to people. Amen. So find it and get after it, all right? We're all called. You have it. It's within you. You're wired with it, all right? There is no substitute for you. No one else can fill your shoes. And you know why I say that? You live with a certain family members, don't you? Anybody here got really hard to get along with family members besides me? Some of y'all are lying and some of y'all, they're in here and you just don't want to show it. Listen, we all have difficult family members. Amen? We all have them. It used to be, is your family dysfunctional? Now, it's, you're a weirdo if your family's not dysfunctional. Uh, dysfunction is the norm. Amen? So, listen, you may say, well, I've, I've got to put up with this, these family members, and I've got to put up with this. Listen, God puts you in that family for such a time as this. Use it to be light in the darkness. They need to see the love of Jesus, and you might be the only Jesus they'll get to see. So God puts you in that family for a particular reason. You live in a certain neighborhood. God puts you in that neighborhood for such a time as this. Get to know your neighbors. It's sad the way we live today. Everybody's a hermit. Everybody comes in, opens the garage door with an opener, pulls the car in, shuts the door. Nobody ever sees anybody. Do you know where the original front porch came from? 
Of course, this is pre-air conditioning. So in the, in the cool of the evening, everybody would sit out on their front porch, and it became the social time. And everyone would sit out on their front porch, and the neighbors would go over to each other's porches, and they would converse, and they'd have actual eye-to-eyeball conversations. We don't have that anymore, do we? And I'm here to you. It's sad. Take the time, and I'm preaching to myself because uh, I don't know my neighbors like I should know them. But get out, and let's get to know our neighbors. Let's try to be some kind of witness to them. Let's try to be some light in the darkness, all right, because God puts you there for a reason. Your job, God puts you in your job for a reason. You may say, yeah, to be miserable. Uh, no, not to be miserable. God puts you in your job for such a time as this. Even, listen to me, even if you're not happy. Did you hear me? Even if you are not happy with that job, understand, until God moves me, I got some purpose here. Amen. Thank you, brother. Amen over there. Uh, <laughs> the heater wants to make a funny noise. But here's the thing. You've got to understand, even in my not liking my job many times, God has a reason and a purpose for me to be there. And until God moves me, I'm supposed to be there. And I need to be a witness for Jesus while I'm there. All right? All right. So number two. Find God's purpose for you. Number two, you can't fulfill God's purpose for you when you are comparing yourself to someone else. Now, I want to give you a little thing. Uh, the Bible is kind of funny. There's some, the Bible is really cool. A lot of people say, I don't read the Bible. That's boring. The Bible, if you will really read it and read it all the way through, it's better than any soap opera, better than any drama you ever did. There's so much stuff in there, and there's even some funny stuff. There's even some things that you look at the people of God, and you go, that's pretty comical. So I'm going to tell you, we're going to read a story about two guys named Peter and John. You remember them? Peter and John, two disciples of Jesus. Now, John was a little full of himself. <coughs> it's so funny I'm cracking myself up. <coughs> John was so full of himself that if you read the book of John, he speaks of himself in the third person. It's John writing the book of John. Makes sense, right? And John, all through John, refers to somebody as the disciple Jesus loved. Do you know who he's talking about? He's talking about himself. The guy's a little weird. He's talking about himself in the third person. That'd be like, like me saying, you know that guy, Mark, the pastor that Jesus loves. <laughs> this little Mark, that's a little weird, all right? But John talks about himself in the third person and refers to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. Now, listen, maybe Jesus did love him the most. I don't know. It's a little weird to be referring to yourself that. Peter and John didn't always get along. Now, Peter, you remember him. He was the guy who spoke first and thought later. All right? Remember, he was the guy who cut off the guys here in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's the guy who said, Lord, I'll never forsake you, and then denies Jesus three times. He's the guy that can't keep his mouth shut, and he's just full of himself. So you get Peter and John, a couple of real strong personalities, and they would butt heads, and they would have a hard time. So it's funny because you read in uh, John chapter 20 that when Jesus uh, had been crucified and he was put in the tomb, and then Mary, you remember Mary comes back and she tells him, y'all got to come, Jesus is not in the tomb, all right? So we're going to pick it up there, and John is relating the story. So this is from John chapter 20, verses 2 through 8. And I want you to see how many times, now this is John telling his version of the story, and I want you to see there's something funny here, all right? It's like there's a race, a foot race, to the tomb between John and Peter. And I want you to see how many times John mentions that he outran Peter. 
All right. Then she ran, Mary, and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple <laughs> whom Jesus loved. Again, this is John writing it about himself. Weirdo. And said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. All right. Next verse. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple, and they were going to the tomb. Verse 4. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. I just want to make that clear. I want to clarify. I got there first. All right? And he, stu- and he stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Next verse. Then Simon Peter came. <laughs> Trying to catch up. He can't run as fast as I can. I beat him. All right? Following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there. So he makes reference again. Yeah, Peter showed up, but he was way after me. All right? Then verse 7. And the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. And then verse 8. Then the other disciple, who came to the tomb first, went in also, and he saw and believed. Now these are some serious verses, but isn't it funny that we see just a little bit in these verses that John wrote of this rivalry between Peter and John. And you remember the disciples were always jockeying for position with Jesus. Well, Jesus, who's going to sit next to you in heaven? Jesus, can I ride shotgun on the chariot into heaven? Well, Jesus, am I going to be, you know, who's, who's going to be, what's going to be the seating order? What's going to be the, the pecking order? And, uh, and so there was always this, and these guys were just flesh and blood and were just human like you and me. And they let their pride get in the way sometimes. You see, John compared himself to Peter, and Peter compared himself to John. And guess what? You might do the same thing. In fact, I would dare say we all do the same thing. When you compare your marriage, you know where adultery starts? With comparison. You know, their husband treats them a lot better. He sure is a lot nicer, and he does nicer things uh, for her. And this is where, you know, and she says really sweet things to him, and she, it's like she respects him, and she respects what he does. Listen, this is where things like this start, because we begin comparing. Now, you've heard me say, the grass is always greener on the other side. Why is the grass greener on the other side? Because there's a septic tank over there. Amen. And if you're not careful, you'll step in it. Because anybody can look good, smell good, and act good for a little while. Amen. I can, I can look perfect to you. I can get up here. I can put my preacher smile on. And all I've got to do is fool you for an hour or two. Then I can go home and act just like the devil. I can fool you for a couple of hours. But guess what? I can't, those people I live with 24-7, I cannot fool them. They know the real me. If you ever want to know the real you, ask those people that live with you. They'll tell you. And it, it may not be pretty, but they will tell you. All right? All right. So you may compare your marriage. You may compare your job. Why do they have such a great job? And I don't. Compare your salary. Why do they make so much money? They don't work any harder than I do. Um, compare... Compare houses, why they live in such a nice house. Compare cars, why they drive such a nice car. And then again, back to social media, why do they have 3,000 followers and I only got 150? Probably because nobody likes you, amen? 
because you're, you can be a jerk sometimes, all right? Just speaking the truth in love, all right? All right, let's go on. John chapter 21, verses 20 through 22. We're going to see this rivalry again. Now, this is right after Jesus appears to them again after he's risen from the dead, and Peter is being restored. Now, I talked about that last week. You remember Peter uh, had denied the Lord three times, and then they come, and Jesus shows up at the campfire, and he asks Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? Oh, Lord, you, you know I do. And he asked him three times, right, to restore him from the three times that he denied Jesus. But then look what Peter does. I don't know if you paid much attention to this. Right after that, he says this. Then Peter, turning around, now again, who's writing this, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? All right. So he turns him around, and uh, Peter wants to know, well, Lord, what about him? What about him? And Jesus tells him, Peter, don't worry about him. As for you, feed my sheep. What is Jesus telling him? It don't matter what I choose to do with John. Jesus is telling Peter, he says, Peter, you run your race. You do what I've called you to do. You don't worry about John. Now, I don't look like a track runner, and I ain't a track runner. But one time I ran track, seventh grade. I was a little skinnier. And I learned one thing. I learned I wasn't going to run track in the eighth grade, amen. <laughs> but I did learn one, one rule, and that is as you are running track, what do you not do? Don't turn around. Don't turn around. Don't. The worst thing you can do... Why? Because when you turn around to see how far they are from you, you're breaking your stride, you're breaking your momentum, and you're giving them a chance to gain on you. All right? So what is the principle of track? It's a biblical principle. Don't turn around. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. You run your race. You remember what the track coach would tell you. Again, I only got a few things. And that's stay in your lane, eyes forward, run your race. If you turn around... You're trying to run their race. That ain't your job. Your job is stick in your lane and run your race. All right? So that's what I'm telling you today. Peter, get your eyes off of John. Yeah, he's a little weird, and he talks about himself in the third person. But don't worry about John. I will deal with John. You do what I've called you to do. All right? Okay. All right. So uh, go to the next scripture, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. And I'm just about done here. And in Hebrews, it even uses the track analogy. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. There is one race that has been set before you. That's your race. Don't worry about somebody else's race. Now, I'm here to tell you, it's a hard thing, even as a preacher, because preachers are no different than you, and I've told you many times, I'm flesh and blood just like you are. For whatever reason, God's called me to do this. I'm still trying to figure it out myself. But I'm here to make you understand that my job is not to worry about the pastor down here at Bethel Baptist, 
sure he's a great guy. Hadn't met him yet. They got a new preacher down there, by the way. So uh, it's a wonderful church. Uh, my job is not to worry about Rose Heights Church down here. Great church. I know Brother Doug, wonderful man, wonderful person. I, it's not, you know, I grew up at Friendly Baptist Church uh, d- down on Front Street. Uh, wonderful, wonderful church. Uh, they just got a new pastor. Hadn't met him yet. But my job is not to worry about those guys and their race. And I'm not one you're ever going to hear me bashing another church. People, there are churches to reach people that we would never reach. And there are, there's us to reach people maybe they would never reach. And we are all in this together. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And my enemy is not the church down the road. My competition is not the church down the road. My competition and my battle is against Satan. Amen. And so I am to set my eyes on the author, the perfecter, and the finisher of my faith, and I am to run my race. God's called me here to Landmark Baptist Church, and that's the race I am to run. Don't worry about that race. Don't worry about that race. God bless them. Get together. Help each other when you can. But that is not my job. And preachers are no different than other people. We spend so much energy bashing the other person that we don't have time to be creative and do what God's called us to do on our end. Amen. If you got a person at work and you feel like they get away with everything, let God handle them. You know what your job is? Be the best employee you can be. Not to worry about why they get away with everything and why, you know, why they're such a sorry employee, but yet they seem to get everything handed to them. That's not your job. Your race is to be the best employee you can be and the best person you can be. All right. Um, So what are you doing? Let me ask you this. The very last thing, what are you doing? I'm running my race. I'm living my purpose. What does that mean? Let me give you some examples. How many of you are raising kids in here? That's a huge purpose. You better get your eyes fixed on Jesus, and that is huge. That is a huge purpose. If you are in the middle of raising kids, that is a big part of your purpose right now. Be the best mom and the best dad you can be to lead and guide them as Christian mom and dad, all right? Um, How many of you are still going to school trying to get a degree, maybe a a bachelor's or a master's? Awesome, awesome. You know these people that want to gripe about, well, why do they got a better job? Well, maybe it's because you didn't finish high school, and they went and they furthered themselves and went on to school and sacrificed and got that degree they needed to go to the next level, amen? So don't don't look at somebody else and blame somebody else. Most of what we got in our lives, you need to look in the mirror. You want better? Do better. Whoo, Brother Mark, that's harsh. Amen? I'm, I'm stepping on my toes just like yours. If you want better, do better. If you want better, be better. All right? Uh, maybe you are doing business. Maybe you own your own business, or maybe you run a business for somebody else, and you are doing that business, and you are running that business with integrity and character. I don't cheat nobody. I treat everybody fair. And if I have overcharged somebody, I admit it, I come back, and I give them their money back. It's easier said than done, isn't it? But guess what? If you are a business owner or a manager running a business for somebody else, running your business with integrity, that's a huge part of your race. All right? Um, Serving others. To serve others and to, again, whether you be a nurse or whether you drive for Meals on Wheels like Brother Jack, or whether you, whatever you're doing, serving others and ministering to others while you're doing it. 
That is a huge thing, amen. And I want to encourage you, maybe, maybe at your job, again, if you're unhappy, maybe you just need to say, Lord, you know what? I just need to give, you, give me a new attitude about my job and help me to want to serve others and help me to have a different attitude towards my job. All right? Um, maybe you want to be more generous. Maybe you want to be a more godly parent. Maybe you want to be a more godly spouse. I'll stop right here for just a second. If you want a more godly spouse, what do you think I'm fixing to say? You get a gold star. If, if you want a more godly spouse, be a more godly spouse. Character produces character. Amen. I find when I do better, somehow, magically, my wife seems to do better. Amen. It's because we are called to be a helpmate to each other. Amen. To be strong. She's strong sometimes when I'm weak, and I'm strong when she's weak. Amen. All right. So, uh, serving at church, tithing, sharing my faith and my testimony in person and online. So, let me end with this. Julie, you'll come right now. The last thing says, you are perfectly created to fulfill God's purpose for you. And you cannot win every race, but you can win yours. You've been called to something. Everybody's getting the phone call, but you've got to answer the phone and figure out what it is and run your race. And when you find out what yours is, don't get distracted. Because you know what the devil can do? Many times the devil will say, well, I'm not, you know, they're trying to do some good things. I'm just going to kind of throw some distractions in there. What he's trying to do is get you off of your race and into somebody else's race and distract you with other things. Listen, there are so many great causes in this world. There are a lot of great causes in this world. But here's the thing you need to understand. I can't fight every battle, and I can't be in every race. I need to be in the race God has called me to, and I need to set my eyes on Jesus, and I need to run that race. A lot of great causes, and I am all for them, but I have to say no to a lot of things because that's not my race. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. If you're here today and you say, Brother Mark, I'm not sure what my relationship with the Lord is. I want to give you an opportunity to, uh, to give your heart and life to the Lord, maybe to recommit yourself to the Lord. If you're watching online uh, by live stream or uh, video when this airs later, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. And I encourage you, if you pray this prayer, just make a comment uh, that I prayed that prayer. But pray, that's you and you say, Brother Mark, I just need to, I just need to get some things settled with the Lord. Would you pray this prayer in your heart, in your mind, in your spirit? Just say, Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner and I believe you died on that cross for my sins. And right now, the best way I know how, I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Lord, I give my heart and my life to you. Now, every head bowed, every eye still closed. If you prayed that prayer, I wouldn't ever want to embarrass you, but I, I do want to pray for you. Would you just lift up a hand and let me know if you prayed that prayer for the first time, second time, hundredth time? All right. By that testimony, everybody in this room knows the Lord and is right with the Lord. Now, how many of you would say, Brother Mark, I need to, uh, I just need to do better. There's some areas in my life I need to do better. And would you pray for me to do better? Would you just lift up a hand? Thank you. Hands all over the building. I'm going to pray in a moment. I'm going to ask the Lord to honor that prayer. One last thing. I know we've had some people that have been attending for a while. If you have been attending for a while and you want to make this church your home, I invite you to come.
invite you to come. I'm going to pray and I'm going to just dismiss us in prayer, all right? Father, we love you today. I thank you for loving us like you do. I thank you for your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. I pray, Lord, if there's one that prayed that prayer, then God, it has made all, everything we did today worth it. I pray if one person was encouraged, I pray if one person will go home and try to be a better mom, a better dad, a better husband, a better wife, then God, it is all worth it. Thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your house and to worship you. We give you the rest of this day. When we go out these doors, may we live for you Monday through Saturday. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.